0: Paranorm Podcast contains content that might not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Paranorm Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome back to Paranorm, the podcast where we chat all things true crime and paranormal. I'm Emily. I'm Sierra. And this week we are talking some true crime, but before we do, how are we? Honestly, I'm not sure. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I feel secure in the fact that I'm not sure. Okay, cool. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Just putting that out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So, I'm currently unemployed with a lack of motivation and lack of planning. So, here we are. It's good times. It is really good times. Um, How are you? Uh, I've had a, a good bit to drink this evening. Um, this week was stressful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to go with stressful. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Um, I feel like that's all I have at the moment. All right stressed but here so but well, we're going away and getting barbecue so oh we are we're going on a three-hour road trip to get barbecue tomorrow <laughs> you may have remembered this exact situation from oh yeah this exact situation <laughs> <laughs> um we're gonna go uh take my new subaru also known as dolores mm-hmm. uh, for a little mini road trip uh, she already has been on a road trip to chattanooga mm-hmm. um, but this time we're going to go to oak island and um get some barbecue from my favorite barbecue place before we move to Maine and we'll be more than 24 hours away from said favorite barbecue place which is so weird so so weird we have five months four months I don't know there's some months not very many not very many um but yeah we're gonna go pick up the mag baby from my mother's house and um yeah it's gonna be fun we're gonna have a good time She's not allowed to touch my leather seat, so. <laughs> it's also supposed to snow at the beach, y'all. Which is crazy. It's a weird concept to think about. Yeah. At least for here down south, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyway on to this week's case we are talking about a seriously fucked up couple and this has nothing to do with the fact that i really miss my boyfriend because he's away for the weekend okay i did not like solely pick this case it was just like there don't look at me like that okay (laughs) totally believable gotcha (laughs) i'm fine we're all fine, and the house is crooked. It's, it's it is fine. What it is. It's fine. Okay. Um. I think I I I said this when you went away. Like uh-huh. I don't do well when I'm left. Like to your own devices. To my own devices. Like it's just it's not a good plan. It's it's an interesting dichotomy to the commitment phobe part of you. It is a very I think that's why, because mm-hmm. I'm a commitment-phobe. Like, that it bothers you so it much. It bothers me so much, mm-hmm. you know? Because, like, this person's supposed to be here right now, and they're not. Mm-hmm. So, like, something's wrong, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. Let's let's not get into Emily's psyche tonight. Okay. Um I've already had moonshine and wine mixed together. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> my some, life is really For together. some reason,
0: I just thought of, like, somebody, like, taking all of the little... Clips about like all your drinking, <laughs> <laughs> putting them together. Oh my god, no! <laughs> well, according to Jeff, I drink six oh, to seven glasses yeah. a night, which you figured every out night. every night. Like, oh god, they anyway. are anyway. so dumb. <sighs> okay, I. <laughs> uh, Tell us about somebody please, else nobody Please nobody put all my clips Like please no mm-hmm. one cut all of the clips Of me talking about my drinking together <laughs> Oh man anyway Okay Nobody has enough time on their hands to do that it, Nobody is going to do oh, that thank god It's fine It's fine mm-hmm. okay. The title of this episode The case of Emily's drinking problem <laughs> Hopefully there's not a drinking problem in the case Could that be weird <laughs> Oh God! All right, all right. So Charles Raymond Starkweather. Okay, that's a lot. That's a name, a first name and a first name for his middle name, but it's not three first names. It's not three first names. All right. Anyway, so it was born in Lincoln, Nebraska, the third of seven children mm-hmm. to Guy and Helen Starkweather. The mm-hmm. Starkweathers were respectable. Okay, uh, with a well-behaved children. All right. Although his family was of a working class background, the family had shelter and other resources. Guy Starkweather was, by all accounts, a mild mannered man. He was a carpenter who was often unemployed due to, uh, like, rheumatoid arthritis in his hands. Um, during these periods, Starkweather's mother supplemented the family's income by working as a waitress. So Starkweather had attended Saratoga Elementary School, Irving Middle School, and Lincoln High School in Lincoln. In contrast to his family life, Starkweather possessed no kind remembrances of his time during school. Starkweather was born with uh, genuverum, which is a mild birth defect that caused his legs to be misshapen. He also suffered from a speech impediment, which led to constant teasing by his classmates. He was considered a slow learner and was accused of never applying himself. Although in his teens, it was discovered that he suffered from severe myopia that had drastically affected his vision, myopia, 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 myopia. whatever it is, affected his vision for most of his life, I you I get know. that, for sure, that mm-hmm. was me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the soul, I just can't fucking see, so, we're doing great. Um. <laughs> Between that and, like, uh, sometimes I would have, like, um, like... It wasn't necessarily, like, an ear infection, mm-hmm. but, like, a hearing loss kind of thing. Yeah. and Like, that ringing thing, that, you, that that sharp pain thing that you get? The, the, there's n- no, okay. but like, that. One time, it happened in second grade, mm-hmm. and my teacher, I, like, sat in the back, mm-hmm. and my teacher was, like, trying to, I don't know, I don't even know, how, like, he was trying to ask me a question or something or whatever, and then he was, like, telling me to, like, I don't know, like to go respond. to some to something, yeah, like yeah. like figure out why I was not responding. to Yeah, him. and like the person he was sitting next to me was just like staring at me, and I'm just like, what? And like the whole time, I guess he was telling oh my talking God, no. to me and like telling me that he like, I don't know. I guess he's like said I need to go in the hall or something like that, and I still didn't respond. Like I was like I was ignoring him. Yeah. Like I don't, I think I was like looking at him, but like I didn't realize he was talking to me. Yeah. And then like he like actually like came like to me and I could hear what he was saying and then I was like so embarrassed because I didn't I just did not have any idea that he Aww. was talking to me at all oh my god I mean he was my favorite teacher so like he was not like mean about it once he figured out like yeah
1: you couldn't fucking hear them.
0: but at the time it was it was super scary because I didn't want him to think bad of me because I really liked right. him as Aww. a teacher little tiny sierra bird is yeah anyway Okay, so the sole aspect of school in which Starkweather excelled at was gym. It was gym class where he found a physical outlet for his growing rage against those who bullied him. Mm-hmm. Um, Starkweather used his newfound physical physica- physicality 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 sure sure to begin bullying those who had once bullied him. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. And soon his rage stretched beyond those who had bullied him to anyone whom he'd happened to, to dislike. Starkweather soon went from being considered one of the most well-behaved teenagers in the community to one of the most troubled. His high school school friend, Bob Von Busch, would later recall, he could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if he liked you. He was a hell of a lot of fun to be around, too. Everything was just kind of one big joke to him, but he had this other side. He could be mean as all hell, cruel. If he saw some poor guy on the street who was bigger than he was, better looking, or better dressed, he'd try to take that poor bastard down to his size. Um, after viewing the film Rebel Without a Cause, Starkweather developed J- a James Dean fixation. There's a bug. Mm-hmm. Y'all, there's a bug. And Sierra's like a fucking cat watching it. I killed it. Poor bug. It did. Okay, anyway, I killed it. Um, so Starkweather related to Dean's rebellious, scream persona, believing that he had found a kindred spirit of sorts. Because you know, movies are real. <laughs> um, so Starkweather developed a severe inferiori- in- inferiority. Inferiority. Say it again? Inferiority. Inferiority complex and became self-loathing and devoid of morals, believing that he was unable to do anything correctly and that his own inherent failures would cause him to live in misery. I mean, same. Honestly, hard same. In 1956, 18-year-old Charles was introduced to 13-year-old Carol Ann Fugate. All right, then. Literally, Jeff and I were literally just talking about discussing age gaps and, like, how I'm not okay if it's more than, like, three years you know um because my parents have an 11 year age gap um but like it's just not for me you know I think it can be fine but obviously when it's when your children like it's yeah, totally different. it's a little different yeah I mean, not only is it illegal, but like neither of you have fully functioning brains. Yeah, so, like, yeah. you can't really make a decision. Yeah. So, by this point, Starkweather had dropped out of high school in his senior year and became employed at the Western Un- Union newspaper warehouse. He sought employment there because the warehouse was located near uh, the junior high school where Carol was a student. Um, his employment allowed him to visit her every day after school. Starkweather was considered a poor worker, and his employer later recalled, quote, "Sometimes you'd have to tell him something two or three times. Of all employees in the warehouse, he was the dumbest man we had." Okay. Don't make that face. Don't make that face. This man is terrible. Doesn't mean he's dumb. <laughs> okay. Starkweather taught Fugate how to drive, and one day she crashed his 1949 Ford into another car. Starkweather's father paid for the damages, as he was the legal owner of the vehicle. Mm. Um, This caused an altercation between Starkweather and his father. Refusing to condone his son's behavior, he banished his son from the household. He banished him. Okay, then. We've been banished. Technically yes. <laughs> Starkweather quit his job at the warehouse and was employed at a garbage collector for mi- la, la, la 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 for minimum wage. Oh. <laughs> One of <laughs> <for> Minneapolis. <laughs> One of the homes on his route was the residence of future talk show host Dick Cavett, and Starkweather had once met Cavett's father. Starkweather been, began progressing like, you know life is shit, everything is terrible mm-hmm. kind of views. Depressed kind yeah. of? Yeah. Believing that his current situation was the final determinant in how he would live the rest of his life. Mm. He used the garbage route to begin plotting bank robberies and finally conceived his own personal philosophy by which he lived the remainder of his life. Quote, dead people are on the... S- er, no. Dead people are all on the same level. Hmm. So... On November I mean, th- unless you believe in, like, purgatory or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. No. So, on November 30th, 1957, Starkweather went to the service station in Lincoln where he tried to purchase a stuffed toy dog for Fugate on credit. Robert Colvert, the station attendant, refused to accept credit and Starkweather left in rage. At 3 a.m. on December 1st, 1957, Starkweather returned to the station with a 12-gauge shotgun. He initially left the weapon in the car and entered the station and bought cigarettes from Culvert. Starkweather left, drove down the road, turned around, and returned to the station, again leaving the weapon in the car. This time he purchased a pack of chewing gum and then once again left and drove away. So he's like trying to... Build up the courage. Yeah. Um, He parked a distance away from the station, sported a red bandana underneath a hat, Then he walked into the station with a shotgun and a canvas bag. He held Culvert at at gunpoint and stole $100 from the cash register before forcing Culvert to walk to to his car. Mm -hmm. Uh, Starkweather drove Culvert to a remote area outside of Lincoln and forced him out of his car. At which Culvert struggled with Starkweather in in an attempt to get a hold of the shotgun. Mm -hmm. Then the shotgun fired in the scuffle, shooting Culvert in the kneecaps. Yikes. Starkweather then killed Culvert with a shotgun blast to the head. Starkweather would later claim that the aftermath of the murder, he believed that he transcended his former self to reach a new place of existence in which he was above and outside the law. He confessed the robbery to Fugate immediately claiming someone else had co- like killed Culvert. Mm. So on January 21st, which is 1958, so not mm. that big of a time jump. Um, Starkweather visited Fugate at her home in the Belmont neighborhood of Lincoln. Not finding her at home, he argued He argued with Fugate's mother and stepfather, who told him to stay away from their daughter, which, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe done that a little bit sooner, but Okay. Strickrather then fatally shot the Bartlett's with his shotgun and proceeded to strangle and uh, fatally stab their two-year-old daughter, Betty Jean. After Fugate arrived at home, he told her of his recent actions, and they hit the bodies in various locations behind the house. The couple remained in the house for six days, turning people away with a note written by Fugate taped to the door that read, quote, stay away, everybody is sick with the flu. And then it was signed Velda Bartlett, which is the mother. So Fugate's grandmother became suspicious and contacted the Lincoln Police Department. When police arrived on January 27th, Starkweather and Fugate had fled the house. So Starkweather and Fugate drove uh, to Bennett, Nebraska farmhouse of 70-year-old August Meyer, a Starkweather family friend whom Starkweather then killed with a shotgun blast to the head. As they were fleeing the area, Starkweather and Fugate drove their car into a mud, like in mud, mm-hmm. and abandoned the vehicle. When Robert Jensen and Carol King, two local teenagers, stopped, them, stopped to like, give them a ride, mm-hmm. um, Starkweather forced them to drive back to an abandoned storm shelter in Bennett, where both were shot and killed. Starkweather admitted to shooting Jensen and claimed Fugate shot King, and they stole Jensen's car and fled Bennett. The town mm mm-hmm. Um. So the two drove into a wealthier section of Lincoln where they entered the home of industrial s- industrialist industrialist C. Lawyer and Clara Ward. Both Clara Ward and the maid Lillian were fatally stabbed, and Starkweather later admitted to throwing a knife at Ward. However, he accused Fugate of inflicting multiple stab wounds that were found on her body. So, again, it's just kind of like, she did it. And then she's obviously saying, he did it. Mm-hmm. So, um, when Laura returned home that evening, Starkweather shot him. Starkweather and Fugate filled Lawyer's black 1956 Packard with stolen jewelry from the house and fled Nebraska. The murders caused an uproar within Lancaster County, and I know it's not Lancaster, how do you say it? Lancaster. Um, with all, enfor- with, with all enforcement. No. Mm-hmm. with law enforcement agencies in the region thrown into a house-by-house search, uh, which by that time was the largest in Nebraska history. Wow. Um, so the governor of Nebraska contacted the Nebraska National Guard and the Lincoln Police of Chief... Uh, the Chief? The Police of Chief. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think, like, how that would work. <laughs> Like the chief's personal police? The police of the chief? The police of the chief. Okay, I'm not fixing that. The police of the chief Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, called for a block-by-block search of the city. Frequent sightings of the two were often reported with um, charges of incompetence against the Lincoln Police Department uh, (laughs) were, like, brought about. (laughs) They don't even know that they're in Lincoln. No! Like, what? Yeah. So needing a new car because of the high profile of the Packard, they found traveling salesman Merle Collison Col, sleeping in his Buick along the highway outside Douglas, Wyoming. After waking Collison, he was shot with Starkweather accusing Fugate of performing like a, like, no, don't shoot him, and like try to take the gun away from him. Oh. And uh, like he was accidentally, and I'm doing air quotes here, but you guys can't see me, um, kind of situation, you know. I mean, why now? Yeah. Uh, Starkweather claimed that Fugate was one of the most trigger-happy persons he had ever met, though. So, who's I, to say? I don't know. Yeah. The salesman's car had a push pedal emergency brake, which was something new to Starkweather. While attempting to drive away, the car stalled and he tried to restart the engine and a passing motorist stopped to help. Starkweather threatened him with a rifle and alter- an altercation ensued. Okay, so a deputy sheriff arrived at the scene at that moment. Fugate ran to him, yelling something to the effect of, quote, it's Starkweather, he's going to kill me. Starkweather tried to evade police, exceeding speeds of 100 miles per hour. A bullet shattered the windshield, and flying glass cut Starkweather. He then stopped abruptly and surrendered. Hmm. Yeah, so Converse County Sheriff Earl Heflin. I feel like there's always a Sheriff Earl. (laughs) I don't know. You don't know? I feel like there is. Said, quote, he thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of a bitch he is. What does that mean? I have no idea. Both Starkweather and Fugate were captured in Douglas. So Starkweather first claimed that... I I just have to say before you get get into into that, 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 like, who knows, like, what the real thing is? Nobody knows. No, <laughs> because like, obviously she's going to be like, he did everything. He's going to be like, she did everything. And then she's like, she seems like she was on un- under, duress. under duress, but like at no point did she ever try to get away other than when she actually finally got to the cop. And again, we don't know the situation, so I don't know. Is she a victim or is she not? I mean, on the one hand, yes, because she's only 13. Yeah. But, like, did she do some of that other stuff, like, with a clear conscience? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so, Starkweather first claimed that Fugate was captured by him and had nothing to do with the murders. Okay. Okay. Uh, however, he changed his story several times. Mm-hmm. Finally testifying at her trial that she was a willing participant, Fugue had always maintained he was holding her hostage by threatening to kill her family, claiming that she was a- unaware that they were already dead. Judge okay. Harry A. Spencer did not believe that Fugate was being held hostage by Starkweather as she had many opportunities to escape. Starkweather received the death penalty for the murder of Robert Jensen, the only murder he was tried for. Okay. Um, and Fugate received a life sentence on November 21st, 1958. So that was like a fast turnaround. Yeah. Um, but again, it's the fifties, and there's not like a whole bunch of like not as many like rules and shit and um, murder cases in Nebraska. I'm guessing, um, and then I'm guessing like the high profileness of it all. Yeah. Um, so her sentence was eventually commuted, allowing her to be paroled in June nineteen seventy six. Hmm. Yeah. So Charles Starkweather was executed in the electric chair at the Nebraska State Penitentiary in Lincoln, Nebraska at 12:01 a.m. on June 25th, 1959. Oh wow, that was fast. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. So now there's like there's a lot more that goes into it before they can be executed. Mm-hmm. There's like appeals and that kind of thing. Um Fugate was paroled like I said June 1976 after serving 18 years at Nebraska Correction Center Correctional Center for women in York Nebraska. She settled in Lansing, Michigan. Lansing, 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 Michigan where she changed her name and worked as a janitor at Lansing High he- Hospital, excuse me. Fugate has never married and refuses to speak of the murders which like okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Starkweather is buried in Wayuka We're going to go with that. Cemetery in Lincoln, along with the five victims of his, no, with his five victims, which I feel is in bad taste. Well, I mean, I don't know how many cemeteries they have in Lincoln, so. Yeah, but I feel like he should be buried somewhere else, Mm -hmm. like maybe on prison property. (coughs) (laughs) He murdered people. He straight up murdered people! He was also mentally unstable. Who straight up murdered people? Your mental health is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Yeah, but they didn't have that slogan back then. Mm, God. But he straight up murdered people. That's not an excuse. I'm not saying that he should have, or that he had, he had an excuse, but I'm just saying. Anyway, that is my case. So I am apparently tired. You're hmm. welcome for that yawn. I hope you all just yawned right after me. <laughs> it means that you really love me if you yawn after me. That's not true. It does. Sierra didn't yawn. She doesn't love me anymore, y'all. That's however, also not true. However, every day between the time of 9.52 and 10.30, except for today, Sierra has brought me a glass of ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> today time got away from me, and then also by the time I looked at it, it was almost time for you to go on break. So I was like, Oh, it's fine. And then you didn't. And then get I didn't to get to go on break, uh, because I had a thirty minute phone call <laughs> Yeah. With a lady who was filing a couple of claims. And then I had another lady, did I tell you about this? One lady called in and placed three separate orders for three separate people. Oh wow. Yeah. I was like <laughs> I just wanna go. Mm-hmm. And that was right before my lunch. So mm. no, that was right before my meeting. Okay. So, yeah. All right, guys. Sierra, comments, concerns, questions? I mean, really, though, it's kind of sad, and it's obviously it's sad because people died. But, like, it's sad that, like, they never got to do anything. Like, so it was all kind of, like, for nothing. Yeah. You know, they never... They didn't get away. Yeah. I mean, they stole some jewelry some and stuff, jewelry, but they never but they got to live to off anything of with yeah. it. Yeah. So... I just hate that a two-year-old had to die. Yeah. That's fucked. That's not. No. Not cool. No. But, But yeah. it was crazy. It was. It was insane. But I could see where it was definitely, like, a back and forth, like, who could get the better deal kind of thing. Like, oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. So, that always makes it kind of iffy. Like Yeah, for sure. And also that she was only 13. Like, that's kind of sad. Well, it's crazy to think that she could have. She could. She was supposed to have gotten life, and then she got out when she was thirty-one. Yeah, and like she basically grew up inside the prison system. Yeah, I bet that was really hard to adjust. Oh, most definitely. Because she went in the fifties and then came back out in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be really hard. Yep. All right, guys. They didn't have cell phones yet. Oh God, yeah, because that would be even more confusing to adjust <laughs> to. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> Okay. Like, you went in in the 80s and came back in 2000. Oh, God,
1: no. <laughs> the internet?
0: Like, I... <laughs> the internet would be fucking wild. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, you probably get some of that, like, in... Yeah, but not a lot. Prison, but... Yeah, no, that's crazy. But, anyway. All right, guys. Well, we hope you have a great week. Um, It's going to be an interesting week. I don't know why... But it will be. It always is, no matter what. No, like, even no, no if matter what, nothing is happening. Like specifically, something will be happening. <laughs> yeah, I have an interview on Wednesday. <gasps> no way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. You didn't tell me that. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. I did. You didn't. <laughs> That's so exciting. <laughs> it's even on the calendar. No. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anyway, so. I pay attention. If you listen to this on Tuesday, just send out the good vibes for me. All of the positive vibes. Sierra's gonna blow this interview out of the park. She's gonna get this job. All right, then you got this, homie. All right. So, okay, guys. Well, Sierra, plug the shit. (laughs) (laughs) I will plug the resources. Okay, thank you very much. (laughs) Okay, so Sierra went to go look at my, my lip because I bit it. And I was having, like, one of those hypochondriac moments mm-hmm. that I tend to have. Um, I was like, Sierra, I really need you to look at my lip. She's like, okay. So, like, I, I pulled my lip out so she could see it. And um, she, like, had her flashlight and was looking at it. And then she took her flashlight away. And then we were, like, discussing my lip. Mm-hmm. She was like, hold on, let me see it again. And held her phone back up there to look at it and she like starts looking at it and like tries to adjust her phone to get the flashlight (laughs) and i'm like your light's not on (laughs) that's my brain every day (laughs) (laughs) oh god it was so funny (laughs) i'm glad i can entertain her (laughs) for sure but oh god all right plug plug the resources (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um anyway so you can find us on instagram facebook um follow us you can send us a message there if you're so inclined or you can reach out through oh, you cannot. or you can reach out through the blog slash website which the blog is on paranormpodcast.com or through email paranorm po- paranormpodcast at gmail.com more yawning is happening. Um, and it's only 9.51 and I'm exhausted. Yeah, but yesterday was only 8.23. And we were both like, can we go to bed now? <laughs> and then I still stayed up after midnight. No. Yes. Uh, anyway, so you can find us. And don't find us. Yeah, don't do that. I wouldn't suggest it. Mm-hmm. No. Anyway. We're locked right. and loaded. Oh, we really don't like people though. So, our our doormat literally says "go away." <laughs> it does. It, it does say that. <laughs> don't go around looking for one, okay? I should tell him what the full thing says. I know, but still, <laughs> not that they care. They <laughs> don't know. care. I know. <laughs> okay, hey guys, guys, we're rambling now. We'll it's you. because we're tired. We'll be with you. We won't see you. We'll be back next week, bitches. Bye. Bye.